0: So, as we all know, uh, before Wasimbe came to ask the question, it was Mulan Farhan, our very beloved Mulan Farhan, who led the Fajr Salah, did the morning du'as. So, for the record, this is completely his idea. <laughs> and I had to really fight for making it, you know, just on site, no online. This first time, do any program that's not live streamed because it's uh, highly uncomfortable for me to talk like uh, about myself as they are forcing me. Because anyone else I would have flatly refused <laughs> but you know it's, it's hard to say no to mohan Farhan or whoever knows him. So maybe I should switch it around and start talking about him. Uh, <laughs> uh, SubhanAllah. So uh, uh, mohan Farhan, um, is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blessed him with so many different attributes that it is his genuine figure for all of us for the youth and for the elders, for the sisters he puts hundreds and hundreds of hours in, in planning all of these events um, there was an event like two years ago where all the boor- dorming students and they got together and they had a surprise uh, party for him with some gifts and they said that we all agreed that we had left our parents from 25 different states to come study here. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave us one mother. <laughs> one mother of like 120 kids. <laughs> and our united mother is Farhan. <laughs> the way a mother cares and shows love uh, for her children, unparalleled, unrivaled love. To the extent that when he was a student in the seminary was under construction, he would go to the gas station and buy ice creams. and cold drinks for the workers. Love for random construction workers. And so, uh, when he insisted in this program, because our uh, whole tarbiyah, uh, whatever little tarbiyah we had, and we really failed in that, that's what we're in the position we are in, because we failed. The tarbiyah is that we always, number one, attribute everything back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is uh, Salam, his statement, Mufti Shafi'a Usmani, Rahimullah, in his Ma'arif Al-Quran, he mentions that Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala granted him the title of Khatib Al-Anbiya. And one of the reasons he was granted this title is that many of his statements have become Amthal, uh, have become, maxim, have become re- words that are repeated by everyone. Even though they were originally his statements. Amongst them is, I only want reform and he said Wa ma illa billah. whatever i have it is from allah so we always make nisbah to allah subhanahu ta'ala whatever we have is from allah we have not done anything on our own and secondly after that we say that it is the duas of our parents and the efforts of our mashaykh so the efforts of our mashaykh and duas of our parents doesn't mean the parents didn't make effort does it not it doesn't mean that the mashaykh didn't make dua but the, the primary thing is the, the du'as of our parents and it is also the efforts of our Mashayikh. Now, uh, with that background, speaking about yourself like oh I did this, I did that, that's not what our deen is about. And our current culture is exactly the opposite, right? Everyone on their profiles, whether it's you know, professionally on LinkedIn or if it's uh, in social media it's all about, we are living in such an age where everyone is um, showing off about themselves, real or fake achievements, and just putting themselves out there, I'm great, I'm the best, I'm, the, you know, in whatever they're at, whatever they're doing. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us a true humility, give us a true humbleness. And this is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves. Whoever is humble in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah will elevate that individual. Whoever starts boasting, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will abase that individual, bring him down. And one is you study about humbleness and you hear about it in a talk. And then one is you actually see it, practically demonstrated by our teachers, which we can never... Match them in their sifat, in their ilm, as well as in their humbleness. We're speaking about humbleness. So one of our greatest teachers, Shaykh al-Hadith, wal-Fiqh, the grand mufti of Southern Africa, all the different countries. Uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blessed him with tremendous knowledge. And his fatawa that have been published, Fatawa Darul Ulum Zakariya, is on the desk of all the muftis throughout the world uh, in contemporary fiqh. Allah had granted him so much basira and wisdom Allah has he's still alive alhamdulillah may Allah hafidhahullah maddallahu dhillahu alayna so we saw in him such humbleness such humility which is hard to believe such people can still exist where he would himself make the tea and prepare the food and would feed the students uh, and he would say that nobody should ever dare to snatch this blessing of khidmah of the duyuful Rahman and the guest of Allah from me. No one should ever attempt to do that. He dare not stop me. This is a, a great blessing that have the opportunity to do the khidmah and serve the students of the deen who are the guests of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he would uh, sometimes just sit in the back whenever there were programs. Try to hide himself. Just like all of you out of honor and ikram of the program are sitting here, I put it on the group that mute all the speakers in the side prayer halls, lobby, downstairs. Then I went and made sure that all the speakers are muted because you have been awake what? All Tuesday, many of you working, and then whole night you're awake. And some of you may want many of you may want to sleep and rightfully so. Those who can stay awake till ishraq, subhanallah, that's great. If you can, you need to rest, that's also needed. Why are you resting? So you can get up and do more ibadah later, right? So, consideration for others. This is something we learn from our mashayikh. Considering people's needs, genuine needs. Yes, I mean, if the fajr salah is going on, it's a matter of priorities. Somebody is very tired, so just let him continue sleeping till sunrise. It's okay, he's tired. Can we do that? No. Why? Because we understand that subhanallah, no matter how tired you are, Fajr is farad. You have to wake up before sunrise. And then the, the, whatever talk this is supposed to be, this is, this is beneficial inshallah as well. But if somebody is completely exhausted, are we going to, uh, you know, whip him and beat him? You better stay here else by blasting the speakers? No, right? So considering people's needs, this is something we saw in our teachers having the wisdom of making uh, determining you know the priorities oh, fiq, there's a fickle awlawiyya what is awla fal, awla fal awla what is most important so after that next level third level if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave, granted you the himma to sit and benefit alhamdulillah ala dhalim. in any case um, so this is something important. Whatever we learn, we attribute it back to Allah, and whatever sifat we have, we attribute it to Rasulullah and to the efforts of our parents and to uh, of our teachers. Um, so what was your actual question Now, that after the disclaimer? You are asking about how it all started? And why are we even talking about our journeys? It's because what happens is that sometimes um, if you don't have an opportunity to know about each other, I would love to hear about all of your journeys as well. Uh, it makes it easier for, uh, for us to benefit from one another. And the purpose of benefiting from one another is so that the ultimate maqsood is what? Objective is, Ibtigha'a seeking the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So knowing about each other will help us benefit from each other. Um, and whatever experiences you have that helped us, uh, by sharing them, inshaAllah, others may have the opportunity to also make such uh, decisions in their lives so our beginning as you mentioned Kankiki i heard right yeah so this is a small town uh, around 70 75 miles 70 miles south from here on highway interstate 57 it's like halfway towards champagne and this is a taqdir of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that in our formative years when we were young allah subhanahu wa ta'ala kept us in a very very secluded spot in hindsight and this was a great uh, divine hand of allah taala at play because one of the biggest uh, things for us to decide as parents is we want to protect our children from all of the different fitness happening outside but at the same time we cannot keep them in a complete bubble where they're so ignorant of what's happening that when they're exposed they become overcome With that, it get excited, and uh, whatever kulu jadidin laziz, as they say in Arabic, every new thing is very enjoyable, and they always want they want to try this out, try that out, try out everything. So this becomes a big problem as well, or they they are easily swayed uh, by negative influences because it is all new. Um, Just like in medicine, you have the concept of inoculation; you got to get inoculated. You know, they say that. in like in the third world countries, children are growing up in the street and they're living in the dirt and they're getting a lot of different organisms uh, that you can see and that perhaps you can't see they get exposed to that so that their immunity is building up and those that are you know just in very very tight controlled um, environments uh, their immune system may be weaker So. You have to expose the child, slowly but surely, but there has to be um, some period of time where they have to ground themselves and become strong. And then they have to slowly be exposed. Exposed in such a sense that their own understanding, their own identity has been made strong. And they are inshallah going to positively impact those around them rather than becoming affected. So they will be Mu'athir, not mutaathir. Mu'athir, they make Ta'athir. They affect others. Not mutaathir, not receiving the effect, but giving the effect. Um, so for example, you have a plant. It's, so, it's weak. Uh, a gust of wind may come and destroy it. You have to wait till the roots go firmly into the ground and its trunk gets strong. And thereafter it will be, insha'Allah, able to withstand the, blowing, the wind that is blowing or the heavy rain, etc. This was a blessing of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala We were very much isolated um, We lived in, in the There was a, there was a cul-de-sac uh, Which was a dead end And There were um, Just three houses on there And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wrote my father That he bought the, the lots on the right and the left and the front and behind So that we should not have any neighbors Right you never know, this is the wisdom. Sometimes you have neighbors, they have sons, they have daughters, they have boys, they have girls, they may be um, swimming. They are, that's their private property, they're swimming. The children growing up will see naked people swimming next door, sunbathing, tanning, all kinds of, having parties. They're not even having party in your home. Forget about having a TV in your home or having the access to internet. Internet never existed back then in the 80s. Um, but First it existed on the computers and the advice used to be make sure your children, what? Their computer is in the living room, not in their bedroom. Make sure that screen is visible. All of that is what? Obsolete advice. Why? Because the whole internet is where? In the palm of the hand, isn't it? Anyway, so forget about exposure at that level. The level of the concern of the parents was such that even the neighbors, they shouldn't be exposed by. If they're Saturday night, the neighbors are listening to music. No music playing in our home, but next door there's music blasting. Next door they're having alcohol. Children should not even be exposed to that. Do you understand what I'm talking about? The level of uh, um, pure environment. Uh, so the, pure, the purity of the environment is on two, from two perspectives. One is the things that were not happening and one is the things that were happening. So what we were not exposed to all of these things. Remaining alone is not a bad thing. Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, "Al waḥdatu Remaining in solitude is better than an evil companion. You don't, you know, you can't say that. Oh, I can't find good friends, so let me go ahead and hang out with bad people because I need someone. No, frankly, the hadith is very explicit. Al If you can't find good companions, then remaining alone is better. And if you're lucky enough to have good companions And having good companions obviously is better than remaining alone. If you have good companions, good friends to grow up with, which were very few in the 80s, you are very lucky the children growing up now, that all these masajids, these, uh, these, these type of اتقاف programs, of, all of these things were not there. Um... So we, we typically, you know, we, we, we frankly had a quite lonely upbringing at the end of the Kaldisat. So people, our youth, they say that, you know, we have non-Muslim friends, non-Muslim friends sleeping over at our house, we're going over to their house. Not only we didn't have, have non-Muslim friends, we had hardly any Muslim friends. The total population of Muslims in that town was, like, that would pray Jummah, maybe like eight families one time it was a winter storm blizzard and then we said that okay uh, we won't be able to make it to the closest Masjid was AIA American Islamic Association in Frankfurt which is like 35 miles away closest Masjid so we had a a Masjid in our own home my father had built on the side of the house it had a separate entrance Uh, well the uncle used to come for Jummah right right Subhanallah he was working yeah, he, he, in, in Kankakee, a uh, physical therapist. Right? Yes, in the St. Mary's Hospital. Right. Yes, alhamdulillah. Yeah. So he happens to be doing a taqaf here. Uh, so he, um, we had a v- few families who come to pray Jummah in our home. Very, very isolated, I'm telling you. I mean, if I give you more examples, you will not believe how isolated we were. So one time I remember there was a snowstorm. We said, oh, we cannot make it to Eid. So we just prayed Eid in our home. A few families came, they're Eid, Salah. Um, now, because of the lockdown, um, we ha- all had the experience uh, of praying uh, Jummah in the family room, and Eid in the living room. If you're lucky, in the garage, maybe. <laughs> right. So, uh, we had the programs here. I, I did it myself online. That was online. Uh, the, the whole Masjid was dark. It was cold. And no one was here for Taravi. We had like three people for Taravi. Which was also down low, right? Because it was supposed to be all locked down. And Imam and two people did tarabih. and we would sit there and we did an online program tutorial, like how to pray Eid in your living room. All the people are, what's the fiqh of Eid? What's the fiqh of Juma? So, um, what's the lesson for us? The lesson for us is okay. We we perhaps cannot be that isolated, but. If we are youth ourselves, we have to make sure where we're hanging out. And if you're a parent sitting here, we have to make sure which type of environments we're taking our kids to. So just because you got invited to a party doesn't mean you have to go there, frankly. Well, I, what about the fifth thing? Isn't it a, a isn't it a right of a Muslim to accept his da'wah an invitation? No, if it's some haram things happening there. And the children are never too young that, oh, it's just an innocent baby. First of all, why are you there as an adult to begin with? If there's haram thing happening there, if there's mixed environment, if there's music playing, there's some, even dancing happening, maybe the food is not even halal. It's haram on multiple accounts. You shouldn't be there yourself. And then you're uh, exposing the kids to all of that. That filth the, is, is entering their system. The filth enters the system before they are even enter the world, when they are in the fetus, developing, uh, you know, in the womb of their mother. Even from that time, they're getting affected by their environment. So this is something that we have to watch out. When, one, of the, uh, one of the, there are many benefits of having a large community, having a large extended family. There are, certain, there are many harms as well. Among the harms is that we, are get, we get dragged into so many different social events, so many different things where Not everything is uh, controlled as the way the parents want it to be. And people push their own agendas on your children. So you have to watch out for that. Second thing was, and you know, there are a lot of different things that we can talk about this, but the second, I said, I had mentioned a few moments ago, there were things that were not happening, all of this stuff. Then there were things that were happening. Things that were happening was that, just like in Ithikaf, after this we have, in the morning, pass out the Yasin, everyone read Yasin. This was our daily ritual at home. You pray Fajr together, then we would like to have an assembly. Me, myself, Azimuddin, Majiduddin, our brothers, stand up after Fajr and we uh, uh, face the crowd. The crowd is three, four people, family. And, <laughs> and we would recite the du'as, morning du'as. The morning du'as we recite here, we did in childhood. محمد صلى الله عليه These are rehearsals of the answers to what? The three questions in the grave. So if you're going to recite this dua three times in the morning, three times in the evening, but with understanding, then you really are, inshallah, inshallah, prepared for the exam in the grave. When the munkir nakir come, you have been rehearsing it every day of your life. So the Fajr, which we pray in Jama'at, then you would have this. Then there's a whole story of like a teacher. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's is that we need teachers. That's why the ultimate teacher, إِنَّمَا بُعِثُ Muallima, He sent Rasulullah sallallahu as a teacher for mankind. And Ibrahim alayhi Salam, he knew the sunnatullah, the way of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, so he made dua for a teacher for his progeny when he established the city of Makkah what did he make a dua oh my Allah send a teacher to my to my progeny alihim ayatika wa we'll do the following four tasks which we can make, talk about some other time this beautiful long topic the four maqasid al-nabuwa he made dua for a teacher and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accepted his dua. Allah has indeed done a great favor upon the believers. He sent a Prophet who fulfilled these tasks. And Nabi Sallallahu wa Wasallam himself said Ana ana ijabatu abi I am the personification in person, the acceptance of the du'a of my forefather Ibrahim alayh. So that is a, a whole story of how our teacher came. SubhanAllah. Now, you have so many madrasas every corner here, isn't it? So over here, Alhamdulillah, there's Madrasa and there's like 50, 60 students in the waiting list. Despite having, what, 130, 140 hizmadursah students. And the only um, limitation is that we are looking for teachers. People say that, I came from so far, I moved here. I literally uprooted my family and came here, my work and everything to Dar es salaam from uh, the West Coast, from East Coast. And now you're telling me, you know, you, you sent your application and it's in the line and you know, there are 50 people ahead of you. These are not exaggeration, it's not exaggeration, it's the reality. So we really feel so bad, but what can we do? I tell them, make dua that we find teachers. The, we want to maintain the quality, isn't it? We don't want to pack 20 kids per class. You know, we, ca- we cap it at 10, 11. And towards the end of the year, some of them are finished. They're just doing revision. Maximum hits 12, not beyond that. So we are trying to maintain the quality, and we just don't have enough teachers. And so this is our situation here. And then you just go there, Mashallah. MSI has a his program, and then Masazman, Mashallah, has his program, and IFS has a his program. So many his programs. So in the 80s, there was, there was no hives in America. Some people think you're crazy. You're in America? You want to do hips of Quran? So this, this is a, a, a greater phenomenon is that those early immigrants who came in the 70s, my father, my, my Taya, my older uncle, he came in 1969. And then my father in 72, 75, they came in the early 70s, right? So in late 60s. So their children who grew up my, um, in my age, like in the 80s, there was very limited opportunities to learn deen. So by and large, they, they really frankly did not get a chance to learn much din. But their kids now, they're Islamic schools. So the kids that are learning the surahs in the Islamic schools and they, uh, it's very um, ironic how the, this third generation now, first being the early immigrants and then their children grow up here and, the, and then their grandchildren they are, have more knowledge of deen than their parents and perhaps even in many instances their grandparents this is a unique phenomenon <coughs> so my father wanted to for us to study the deen and he made mashura. to make to take mashura he, he you know he traveled he went to meet mufti uh, taqir Uthmani, mufti Rafi usmani in Darulam karachi then he went to meet different ulama in pakistan and then he went to meet Sheikh abul Hassani in nadwi rahmatullahi alayhi natul ulama muhammad mansoor ahmad rawmani Munaynamur uh, Hassan Qari Siddiq Ahmad Bandi—all these mashayikh. who went on a literally on a world tour, talking to all the different teachers, mashayikh of the world. Majority of them, with the exception of one or two names, I took have all passed away. Um, so, Karwazari of that trip, you can ask my father one day. Maybe you bring him up; he'll tell you about the, that trip and amongst many other things. Actually, he should be the one sitting here rather than myself. But, um, uh, so th- those mashayikh, they, 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 they encouraged him. They give many different advices. Mullah Manzoor Ahmad Nomani, Rahmatullah author of Ma'arif al Hadith and Shura member of Darum Dayban for so many years, and great alim. He said that, you know, he, he, he had a fractured uh, hip, and he was sitting in his bed. He couldn't move, and he said that, What did whatever we are doing you are doing the effort of deen in america such encouraging words of course we, do you think we're going to start believing that that he didn't do anything we're doing everything absolutely not this is another problem our ki- children our our students from america are are so you know they take everything so literally without any idea of what's going on like one american student we were at the same allah <laughs> allah akbar so uh, we had asked for the ta'beer. I had asked the tabir of a dream, because Muhtir was world-renowned for, for interpreting dreams. Then I asked him, how did you gain this knowledge? So then he said, Hame kya He said, what do I know, whatever comes in my mind, I just say it. When he went out, the, the other person, Mashallah, he's a practicing physician now, he was doing his there at that time. He said, that was great. You know, meeting the Shaykh, one thing I'm very disturbed. He just said, Whatever comes in my mind, I just utter that. <laughs> like, what's up with that? How is that okay? This same student who said that, I asked, Mufti Radha I told you, he used to feed us, right? He fed us at breakfast. Subhanallah. So I said, How? Uh, this is one comment he made that breakfast. Because Mufti Sab, you would see any new guest, any new person, he would see in the madrasa in the saf, in the masjid, then you would tell him, you would go to him and say, You're invited to breakfast in my home. And his wife and his children were in Pakistan. He was alone. So he himself would serve. Like literally he himself would serve because his wife and kids are not there. It's not that it's, he was giving burdening his wife. The wife wasn't even there with him. He would go visit her a couple times a year. So I asked him the same uh, Dr. Sal. That, uh, it's, that's why it's not online so he can't hear. <laughs> I asked him what, how was the breakfast and everything. Everything was good. But as he said, he was disturbed by that one statement. And then another thing he said is that the tea was kind of bitter, but I just drank it. I said, why was the chai bitter? It was so, it was, there was sugar there. He said, yeah, um, Mufti sahab, he actually put the sugar in my tea with a spoon. But he didn't stir it. He didn't stir it for me. Chai? So the sugar was on the bottom. I just, I said that, why do not you stir it, man? There were spoons there. You know what he said? There's so much rog. Have, have you seen rob? You haven't seen rob because sinners like us are here. Ru'ab means awe. He's so awe-inspiring. I did not have the courage to ask for a spoon from there to stir my own tea. Where did he get such a Ru'ab from? So much taqwa. So much ilm and taqwa as a wali of Allah that a person who's otherwise so bold and probably at that point in his life <laughs> had not been exposed to the concept of adab he doesn't have the jura, he doesn't have the courage to ask for a spoon to she. He's like, Oh my god, let me just drink it the way it is. This is called ruab. Rasulullah had Ruab. He said, Nusir to Allah has helped me by putting my ruab in the hearts of um, In this case he was talking about enemies that even one month distance away, if they're coming with ill intention, they will be affected by the ruab of Rasulullah. Who are they facing? So those Ahlullah, through thousands of hours of ibadah and dhikr, they developed that level of Allah. Allahu Akbar. I lost my train of thought. So, huh? Oh yeah, so he went and won all these mashayikh. So they said that, you know, you're doing great effort of deen. Yeah, that's what I remember. When he said, they said, What are we doing? You're doing the effort of deen. We're not going to take that literally. We're not going to say, oh yeah, he's not doing anything. I'm the biggest guy here, right? As my young friend did at that time. When he said, How, how did he say, it? like, in fact, everything he gave Ta'abir used to be based on knowledge of Quran and Sunnah. Like, in beautiful ways. And through the Sahaba of him, whatever Sahba I had, the number of years, some of the things I picked up. I can give you an example. Should I? One example of a Ta'abir, for example, is that one time when I was in Jamaat for one year in 2002. We were doing jawla in Bhopal, so I spent six months in Pakistan, and four months in India, and two months in Bangladesh. So all the three countries. So finished first two months in Bangladesh, then you went four months in India, and then six months in Pakistan. Right. So when we were in Bhopal, we were um, in one particular masjid. One of the rehber, the local guide, who will take us in the Jola. He said that. Um, when I was starting up the effort of Dawud as a youngster in our Masjid our Jamaat and the Jamaat of our Masjid, there was one teacher uh, who was uh, our teacher in this local school and he used to take us in Jamaat and Jordan and everything. Now uh, he passed away. He was an older man and his son is like in his 40s so let us go to make and express our condolences to the son because his father passed away. So um, this is a Khususi idu Allah, there's Khususi. this is a specific visit. So we went to visit him. So we sat and talked to him about the deen. And said, MashaAllah, your father was such a great man. He did so much da'wah and everything. You need to, inshallah, follow his footsteps, right? Like, millata abikum Ibrahim, as Allah Ta'ala says as well. Follow the footsteps of your forefather Ibrahim. So then, during the conversation, he said, you know what, I, have a, uh, I had a strange dream about my father. My father was a teacher and he's always into exams and results and taking tests of the students. So with that context, I had a very strange dream after my father died. So I said, what is the dream? So then he said, the dream was that I saw it was the day of judgment. Uh, And um, there was a person He was calling out the results. So typically in our school system, we have first place and second place and third place. There's no concept of a fourth place. Like in the Olympics, what is it? Gold, silver, bronze. Now, if you had platinum or something, then it would be platinum, gold, silver, bronze. But they could, right? You could make four. But they stop at three. It's always three, first, second, and third place. So why I was shocked, I'm happy. It was good news, but it's a, kind of a strange news. They announced, they said, fourth place winner. And they took my father's name. He said, you have passed in fourth place. So the fact that he passed on the Day of Judgment, obviously, inshaAllah it's a good sign. Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi said that Nabuat and Jibril coming with revelation is terminated. Right? Not gonna happen after me. and But Allah Ta'ala will continue to inspire through a Sadiqah true dreams. These are called Mubashirat. Now the whole fiqh of the dreams is another whole tangent, like when is it when is it a, is it a sharii Dalil or not what if you have a dream that you're exempted from praying Salah from now on, is this a ruya Allah or even a shaitan Shaytan, this shaitan it's not ilam anyway so this is a beautiful dream so he said i wonder what the fourth category means so then i said did your father die a natural death just to cover myself i said or did he die as an accident victim he said no he died peacefully in his sleep uh, yeah. He had some terminal sickness. So I said, the reason he, you, it was announced that he passed in the fourth category is because in Surah Al-Fatiha we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala إِهْدِينَ Mustaqim, الْمُسْتَقِيمِ ladina Allah, guide us the straight path, the path of those whom you have favored. And there are four types of tafsir. The highest form of tafsir is tafsir wa kalam illahi. بِكَلَامِ then بِكَلَامِ الرَّسُولِ then بِأَقْوَالِ Sahaba. then بِالْقِيَاسِ واللغة. explaining the word of Allah through the word of Allah number one number two through the words of Rasulullah number three through the words of the Sahaba number four through the language so highest form of tafsir is when Allah himself explains another ayah so Siratul Ladina عَنْتَ the path of those whom you have favored now we are wondering who are those whom Allah has favored so he answered it himself well known ayah Shuhada. Four categories are those whom Allah is pleased with Who he has favored the nabiyyin is number one Siddiqeen is number two shuhada is number three. That's why I verified was he an accident victim because Man Qutila doona Man Qutila fa shaheed whoever dies defending his wealth his home his honor is a shaheed So in number four is the salihin the righteous so when it was announced that he passed in the fourth category, what does that mean? Fourth, not fourth category, fourth uh, place. That means he is not a Nabi, not a Siddiq, not a Shaheed. What is he? Saleh. Now, this tafsir is there in the Quran, but where do you get the uh, idea of connecting it to the dream and remembering it? So this comes from what? Sahaba. How does it come from Sahaba? Because I remember a scene. It's imprinted in the back of my mind. What scene? Sayyid Muftir al hasab What happened? A woman came. Or she called actually, called him, you were I think translating. She said that I had a dream, and I had a dream that my husband very sad situation, a lot of crime there, right because after apartheid was uplifted, the the Mugloom nation of the Africans they started revolting and taking over and, um, because they had been oppressed for so long, so that 's the political circumstances, and then it starts le- leading to violence. so her husband was in her in the store they had a store and some people they come and they, they were all fine robbed because you you want the money but then they always many times they kill people too no reason to kill a person he's not resisting but they just shoot him for the heck of it no no value for life so in, in this armed robbery they ended up killing the husband he was shot big tragedy then what happened is she saw a dream in her dream what did she see it's not exactly like the scenario that in that I mentioned in the gashd but very it's similar you still have to connect it. what did she say she saw a dream that she went to Medina okay and then she saw the Roda of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and she saw Nabi Sallallahu grave and next to that she saw Abu Bakr radiallahu grave and next to that instead of Omar Farooq's grave she saw the grave of her husband so she was shocked. Again, it's a similar scenario from the perspective that she felt it was a very positive dream. But she's still at the same time puzzled what does it mean? Why is he buried in the place of Umar? So al he recited the ayah. Remember, what did, the, what did he say to the student and me after the breakfast? Right? Whatever comes in my mind, I say it. So, you know what? I said it's Mustad. He, said, he recited the ayah. Nabi <speaking in Hebrew> is Muhammad Number two is Siddiq Abu Bakr. Number three is the Shaheed Omar. Leading the salah, he was attacked by Pharaoh's Abu Lu'lu with the poison dagger. Like the Imam in New Jersey was attacked a few days ago in the Fajr right same but the imam in New Jersey was taken to the ICU and survived but Umar there was no ICU right? so he died right you, you, everyone saw the clip of your WhatsApp, what's up right so uh, so uh, so then what happened is subhanallah Nabi was one time on a mountain that started moving and it was it was an earthquake I don't know how much on the Richter scale, but it was a violent earthquake. So Nabi sallallahu was with Abu Bakr and Umar and Uthman. So Nabi sallallahu said, Uskur, stop moving, O mountain. فَإِنَّمَا عَلَيْكَ نَبِّيٌ وَصَدِّيْقٌ وَشَهِيدَانِ For verily on you is an Nabiya Sadiq, in two Shaheed: Umar and Uthman. So, radiallahu anhumma, both were Shaheed. Adiruddhanu, for that matter, was Shaheed too. Allah but he wasn't in this in this uh, story he wasn't on the mountain so he said that's why you see so what is this Bashara this is a Bashara that your husband's Shahada is accepted so linking up the ayah to the Shaheed and putting and then in our scenario, it was fourth place so that story rings a bell now where are you gonna find this tabir in a book are you gonna learn how to make a tabir of a dream and connect an ayah to a scenario you see how it's similar and you see how it's also different. The first dream is different than the second dream. But there is a link there, right? Where do you pick this up? Only through suhaba suhaba of a faqih, you learn fiqh. suhaba of adib, you learn adab. suhaba of a one who has Hayah, you learn Hayah. suhaba of a one who has taqwa, you learn taqwa. Ya ayyuhaladhinah amnat taqullah, wakunuh ma'a Be with those in the company of those who have sitr. So suhaba is missing. And you know, with the, with, with, with the lettering in the book, with the Nukush, you just get the nukosh, you won't get the ma'fin Nufus. The transmission occurs from heart to heart. Right. SubhanAllah. So in any case, uh, he, he, they said you need a teacher, where are you going to get a teacher? So we didn't, we didn't have um, a teacher. So this Salaam that you see today, you know, it was the actual organization with the same tax ID number. W- you know why it was formed? Because the only way you can get a teacher in America, you were, you were young, right? So you think, okay, just ship them off, send them to abroad to some madrasa, because there's no madrasa from where? From sea to shining sea. From east coast to west coast, there's no madrasa in America. So just send them away to a foreign land, no, you can't do that. Because there are great people that we talked about, right? Some of the mashaykh. And we can have a session just on the mashaykh, one sheikh a day, all our mashaykh, each one has a beautiful biographies. But there are so many of them. But at the same time, let's be real, there are a lot of, what, evil people. They are corrupt people, this is reality. They are pedophiles, frankly. They are people who will traumatize your children. Can you pick your child and just throw them off uh, across the ocean just like that, and they're young kids? No. There are a lot of weirdos out there too. (laughs) So that's why they said, no, you need a teacher here in America. Where are you going to get a teacher? There's nowhere. So, to be able to get a teacher, there was something called the R visa. I do you know if it still exists? A religious visa. Now, to, f- to, to go abroad and get a teacher on an R visa, you have to file the paperwork. And you can't do it on a medical business or your personal home address. You have to have a religious organization, bona fide, 501c3, registered in the state of Illinois organization, to be able to file immigration papers for a teacher. That is how salaam was born in the 80s the same that is till today to actually be the a means of bringing our teacher and then going and searching searching different madaris and this and that to find a teacher who would be ready to come first one came 1987 then, then he left he had some issues then second one came in 1988 then he left and third one came in April of 1989 I remember uh, right, so Alhamdulillah then he stayed then he was, he taught us. Alhamdulillah, he was an alim. Mashallah, Muraziz Ahmad Sahab, And uh, he was a great teacher. He was our teacher and our classmate, and we did theqar revision with him. And you know, alhamdulillah, great sahaba for us. And he told us a lot of stories of the mushayy. So just like the kids today, they know you know all the different basketball players. And they know about all the different sports uh, and uh, celebrities. So he would tell us so many stories of Sahaba. And particularly, he, he, his initial was he knew about so many stories of the Mishael. So who is Mona Qasim Ahmad Nanoti, rahmatullahi, Ali, and Maulana Rashid Ahmad Gangoy, Maulana Khalil Ahmad Saharampuri, Sheikh Al Hadith Maulana Zakaria Khandalwi, and Mona Anrisha Kashmiri, rahmatullahi, Ali, and Hussain Ahmad Madani, and you know, all the way down, Maulana Yusuf bin and Fona, and Fona all of these mashayikh their stories and their sacrifices their lives he told us all these stories which actually inspired us to uh, take this path of rain. so that is how our teacher came so there was mm, things that were not happening then there were things that were happening and this is what Allah Ta'ala asked us to do is <laughs> to do good deeds Taqwa is abstain from sins combination of that help um, you know chart our path in life and I didn't even get you a chance to ask a second question. Sorry about that. I think this is the nature of this type of meeting. It's supposed to be kind of more free and go with the flow, right? So I guess when your teacher came, mm. um, like was, that, was it the first time like, hips, like? Yeah, it was pretty much, yeah. It was very, very initial stages of his. There was like Mona um, Abdullah had in there was one student, Mona Nadwi was in California. His His son was like 13 year old. He was the one, son, one one student doing hips in MCC. He would come part-time and teach him hips. Um, and it was called like Darul Uloom MCC. <laughs> yeah, where well, it was one student who was doing hips, that's it. And then I think, um, yeah, maybe a uh, we were second. Yeah. yeah. In the s- summer of 1987, there was a young alim, black beard, was well, still has a black beard, mashallah. <laughs> But, um, the original black man. <laughs> uh, very young, he just graduated, and just became, got married and he came. He stayed for a couple of months, and then he missed his family, went back. Who was that, 1987? Mannan <laughs> Manansal. Yeah, then he went back, yeah. So then, that was, that was it. So I, I, I attended that, Malaristan. it was in Roscoe, 1015 West Roscoe Street. Yeah. So, um, near the... Cup Stadium in Wrigley Field yeah so this is uh, where his was in 87 but then that didn't last that was the first batch and then and then after that we continued with our teacher alhamdulillah so what age did you finish his Finishes at the age of 10 alhamdulillah yeah I mean the thing is uh, my younger brother so I was he's Mufti Azimuddin believe it or not is uh, (laughs) hard to he's actually four years younger than me see like somebody asked Abbas radiyallahu ta'ala uh, are you older or Rasulullah sallallahu Somebody will say, wait a second, is he the uncle? Why, is that, why are you even asking such a question? Because um, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa had uncles who were younger than him and same age as him. The reason that, how did that happen? The reason it happened is like, for example, the day Abdullah and Amina, uh, the parents of Rasulullah sallallahu got married, it was a joint wedding. The same day, Ab- Nabi Sassim's grandfather, Abdul Muttalib, also took another wife. Obviously, if he has his son, Abdullah, he had previous wives, but then he had another one on that. So, he, he, Abdul Muttalib got married the same day, Abdullah got married. Did we know that? Maybe we studied in Seerah, maybe we forgot. But, uh, this actually happened. So, when Amina got pregnant with Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, then uh, the dada, Abdul Muttalib's wife also got pregnant. When Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was born, then... Abdul Muttalib's son. Who was that? Hamza born. So Hamza bin Abdul Muttalib, the Asadullah he was the Rasuli. Everyone knows Hamza. He was uh, same age as Rasulullah Born around the same time. They both were foster brothers. They both drank the milk of Thuwaiba, who was the uh, slave girl of Abu Lahab. And she came and gave the glad tiding to Abu Lahab. Abu Lahab, tabbat yada, lahabim, tabb, the one that cursing him is an ibadah. Not with niyat of cursing, with the niyat of tilawa. Uh, so, for every letter, there's ten good deeds. Can there be someone more wretched than his curse is part of the Quran? This person, his slave girl came and gave him the good news. That your, your brother had a son, baby. The brother who died. Mm, Abdullah died before Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi was born. And he, and, uh, he congratulated and... and uh, Based on that, subhanAllah, on that day there will be takhfif in his azab. It's narrated. So they were brothers, foster brothers. So somebody asked Abbas radiallahu anhu as well. Anta Akbaru Rasulullah, are you older or Nabi Sallallahu?" First of all, I try to explain why the question even makes sense. You understand? Normally you wouldn't ask uncle, are you older or your nephew, right? So then he said, now use the, the questioner, use the word akbaru. Greater, bigger. No. He could not say "Ana Akbaru min Rasulullah. He happened to be older. He couldn't say "Ana Akbaru min Rasulillah, I'm bigger than Rasulullah, I'm older than Rasulullah is one meaning. The other meaning is I'm greater than Rasulullah. How can anyone be greater than Rasulullah? So this is again Adab of his speech. What did he say? He said, Hua, he started off first by saying, Hua Akbaru minni. Sallallahu is Akbar minni greater than me. Well ana I happen to have more age. Ana Asan, I just happen to have more age in him than him. But Wa minni He didn't even say ana asan, you know, I'm older than him, wa hua and he happens to be bigger. First statement is Wa minni All these nuances, this is the other which is Mafkut is lost. And Mawlana Sulaiman uh, you know, he used to translate it as um, he is my elder and I may be older. <laughs> he is my elder and I may, and I happen to be older. So likewise, Mufti Azimuddin is very active in the community. He's who uh, who are Ana, a son So he he, he uh, uh, he's actually, four, as I said, four years younger than me. Uh, but so when I was doing his, he, he was like four years old. I was doing his at eight years old, so he would be what four year old. So he he, he didn't even know how to read Nasara properly, and he started his just playing around in the environment hear the ayahs being recited start doing his so um, which type of student does his of Quran without learning how to read you know there are people who memorize the whole Quran without learning how to read very simple answer who the blind of the blind of they don't learn how to read because simply they can't see so how are they going to read so the, by listening they become a hafiz of the whole Quran and when Allah ta'ala takes one faculty he strengthens the other one so the fact that they're not looking, what happens? How much haram are they looking, watching? How many non-mihrams? Zero. There's one beloved student of ours, one of Suleiman Hamid, Havidahullah. Now he's a teacher. So he's allergic to chicken. Like he literally has allergic reaction. So I tell him that, you know, you, you can't eat machine. You know, when you eat goat, it's easy. New Zealand, importing goat, Australia, it's also Zabiha. Beef is questionable. What's the biggest challenge in Zabiha consumption? Chicken. Why? Because you have to hire a guy to slaughter the Congo. Whether he's a Muslim or non Muslim, It doesn't really make, he's not going to charge more because he's Muslim. You know, 10% extra for La ilaha illallah. Or what is it? Bismillah Allah. Right. No. So there's economic advantage in what? Machine slaughter. That's where the Iman comes to play. So machine slaughter chicken is, we are here in Chicago, Sharif, with so many zabia chicken. Other places in America, it's hard to find Zabiya chicken, like literally. Some of the ulama said, don't eat chicken at all. So I said that you are preserved from eating machine slaughtered chicken and haram chicken. For what? Because you can't eat any chicken. Right? This is the whole nafi and nahi bahas, right? So you can't eat, it's not a matter of don't eat haram chicken, you can't eat haram chicken. It's na- nafi, not nahi. So, uh, so likewise, the blind individual has phenomenal memory because he can't see haram. And looking at non mahram affects your memory. And this is the one story that always every Madrasa student knows about Imam Shafi'i. Remember Imam Shafi'i? He was having a little bit difficulty memorizing, meaning his photographic memory where he would hear the whole Motta, Dar's Imam Malik, and immediately be able to repeat it with all the Sanat, slightly was decreasing a bit. Right? So then what happened is he goes to his teacher, Waqi'i ibn Jarrah, who's a student of Imam Mu'Hanifa, Faqih. He went to him and he said the famous couplet, Shakawtu ila Waqi'in su'a hifẓi. There was a woman who had um, Just like a little portion of her body He had seen accidentally And that had impacted his memory So he said I complained to my teacher So I have seen that I'm losing my memory It's not as sharp as before uh, I can't memorize books the first time I hear it anymore so uh فعوثاني, he gave me the wasiya and command, ma'asi that you have to guard your gaze and abstain from sins. إلهي, for knowledge is the nur from Allah. Al noor ilm is a nur. That's why we have the tanweer program. Mufti al asked him for the name for that. We yeah. used to be called the Dar al one year Arabic and Islamic Studies Immersion programme. That was the first time. Then it was way too long. Our beloved Ansar they said no one. It's too long of a name. It doesn't even fit on the flyer. Darul <laughs> Salams, one year Arabic and Islamic studies immersion program. So, whenever you, when you have a baby, you go to the sheikh, or people used to say, "Can you give the name?" So we went to Mustafa Al same teacher. Said that this is a program. Can you give a name? So I remember he said, "Al The reason I remember is he added He said, "Ilm is a nur that illuminates the." hearts and the minds so call it the tanweer program nawara you know we do tanweer means that which illuminates and gives light so imam shafi rah said the nur of allah is not given to a sinner so the blind of allah, so there is a whole mashallah beautiful history of blind ulama blind qurra The hirzul amani wajh al tahani that qasida lamia every line ends with alam which is a book on Qiraat al-Sabah Imam He was what? Blind So many Urlama were blind So Alhamdulillah he wasn't blind He's not blind Nor Allah ever protect him from blindness But he was similar In the sense that He didn't know how to read So My father used to call him uh, Ummi Hafiz Ummiyun is The unlettered one Right Ummiyun is the Ya nisbah to the mother Like when the baby Is delivered by the mother He doesn't know how to read and write so the Ummi is still in the natural, the natural uh, position. Like no one is born. He brought you forth from the womb of your mother, you don't know anything. No one is born with a degree. So ummiyoon so literally means the one who is belonging to the mother. He's in the same state. Like our an Ummi. So he said he's an Ummi Hafiz. So he couldn't even read and he memorized like a couple of Jews. Uh, and then Alhamdulillah, he, he finished the Hibzah of the Quran at the age of seven, right. At the age of yeah, seven, before he turned eight, he finished the Hibzah of the Quran. And so I remember he used to have like a hip sabak, and then he would have a nazra sabak. <laughs> two two sabaks. Like he never, he, I don't think he ever finished Nazra. Because the, he was probably paying more attention on the hip side. Nazra is what? Learning how to read. So this is how it happened, Alhamdulillah. Yeah. <laughs> So after after the age of ten, the next step was going to South Africa. Or oh, okay. what happened in between? Yeah, HIFS a lot in of South Africa. happened in between. Uh, after that, um, we had we had a we had a teacher who used to teach us secular studies as well. Right. Uh, so her story is that she was a, a white American uh, non-Muslim lady. Her name was Pat. See, Pratt Burnett. Yeah, American, non-Muslim lady, but uh, when my sister was in, um, she went to school up to fifth grade. After that, we said, my parents said, we cannot send our daughter to school, public school. So she loved my sister so much, my elder sister, that she said, you know, "If if you're not going on to school, then I'll resign too. So she resigned, and then she became a teacher at home for us. So she was a personal teacher. So she taught her, and she taught she taught us. So we were doing our secular education along with the Hibs. And then after that, then when we had to go to uh, school, after I finished hips, I had to go to school. So I was very, very much opposed to that. I did not want to go. So we went for the orientation day for high school. BBCHS, Bradley Bourbon A Community High School. Uh, so it was a very shaitanic atmosphere, frankly. So there was a... Um, This is when I was going to be a freshman in high school. So there was um, the last year's graduating student council president gave a welcoming speech to the incoming freshman. And she was an improperly dressed young woman who just graduated last year. So she's a 19-year-old woman, all decked up in makeup and everything. And she was on the stage, and she was uh, welcoming us. And I was very much horrified because I had come from a very extremely pure environment. Yeah. So I said, I'm not going to go here, this, that, I was fighting. I said, no, 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 oh, you know, I wanted to do the Alim program and just do high school online and this and that. So, but uh, my father said, no, you have to do the high school. And he's right. And that's the same discussion I have with parents here, that sometimes they, they, disc- they completely discredit the high school education and world education say, no, there's no need for that. But if we need to be proficient in that. So we are able to speak to people in an intelligent manner, to our educated. Um, and it's not only so that we can, it's not about a matter of impressing people. It's so that we also have the correct understanding of the deen. And we do not um, misinterpret the uh, ayats of the Qur'an and the hadith of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam due to not having basic knowledge. We have to learn English we have not sent any messenger but he was gifted with the ability to speak the language of the people he has been sent to so he can clearly explain to them if you can't speak English properly if you can't write properly um, then you cannot fulfill your role as a Khalifa if you want to be an heir of the Prophet the Prophets were able to speak speak to them in an eloquent manner effective manner and you have to have knowledge of math you have to have knowledge of science so it he was, he was right what he was saying but I, I was very immature I didn't realize I said no I don't want this it's all haram and all that I was a bit zealous perhaps in hindsight so then uh, I just want to go to Madrasa I want to go overseas little did I know the challenges uh, overseas as I said there are great people and there are also not so great people evil people as well Friend so then what happened my father he did istikhara and then he saw uh, he saw a dream that uh, he was in Nizamuddin Magna wali Masjid and he was just taking a shower and coming out and they were knocking they said you know Mr. Uh, Monana, Ma'anana Ina Hassan Rahmatullah he's calling you right now Ina Amar Hassan calling you calling you come 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 quickly so when he woke up he said we have to go Nizamuddin we didn't know that he was going to pass away in a few weeks that's why he was saying come quickly this is before he passed away uh, so then, you know, father, he closed his office and we did Umrah and then we went to Zamuddin. All the oncology patients, it was very challenging. Right? They have to come get the chemotherapy. So then he went, uh, we went there and we made Masharat. So there was a letter, a six page letter. Nawal Hassan he was a, a mirror of the effort of Dawah throughout the world. Such a busy man. But he actually read the entire six page letter about all the kafiyah and the ahwal of our family and he, he told me that, no, you, you cannot go to a Madrasa right now. You have to finish your high school and continue studying ilm on the side and after you graduate high school, then you can go to a Madrasa. Astaghfirullah Razim, in interest of full disclosure, I'll mention how badtamiz I was. <laughs> that I ended up apparently, I can't believe I said this, I told my father that, okay, I'm going to go to do high school not because you said, but because Hadirji said. <laughs> Uh, when I now out Hassan Sab he forced me to do high school. Yeah, so that was, uh, obviously, there's a lot of basira in the wisdom of our elders. So that's why uh, I didn't go to Malaysia right away. So I finished high school. But then, that time, Dr. Salim Saab had started CPSI, College Preparatory School of Illinois. Then there were some issues. Then he left. And then they had to file bankruptcy. Whatever, there were some issues. Then they rebranded it. CPSI turned into CPSA. College Preparatory School of Illinois, mashallah, the Alami Fikr became College Preparatory School of America. We should have concern for the whole world. Mm. Global figure. I remember Janit Jamshed, rahmatullahi, who passed away in the car ex- uh, the airplane accident. He was talking about global Fikr. He said that, you know, when I came here, I wanted to go to one of those restaurants. What do you call that place? People said, oh, you're talking about Divan. He said, no, man, i run away from Divan because all the Daisies will attack me. You know the fish sandwich, where do you get the fish sandwich from? Someone said Burger King. <laughs> Burger King is, see, whatever is like, uh, like fast food, nasty food, but it's, it's a big deal in Pakistan and other places, right? It's American. American consumerism, global. Uh, so he said, yeah, I wanted to grab a fish sandwich. You know, maybe perhaps in the past when he, in his, during his musical career days. So he said, I went to the drive-through, I got the fish sandwich, right? And I was enjoying it. Then, Based on my original Pakistani habit, I took, the, after I ate the sandwich, I threw the wrapper outside the window. Like all the garbage, everybody throws the garbage all, everywhere in the street. Then there's a street sweeper. His job is to st- sweep everything at night. When everyone's asleep, put mountains of trash. In the, in the morning, when you go for Fajr, if you have tofiq to go for Fajr, you will see p- piles of garbage that they are, everyone just throws everything outside. So he said there was one white American lady May Allah give her hidayah. If she's alive. She she picked up the wrapper and she looked at Jamshid. She didn't know who she's talking to, right? And she said, "Don't litter." Then she didn't say, "This is my shop. This is my town. This is my state. This is my country." She lifted up and she said, "Don't litter. This is our planet, right?" So Jamshid, you said that this is what. <laughs> right so <laughs> Allah, work locally and think globally so, so this is the hadith of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. <laughs> <laughs> Hikmah is what the lost article of the believer it's you. <laughs> you take it and adopt it as your own wherever you find it there's a lot of stuff going on in this hadith one is this lost article what does that mean if you lose your key, what do you do? Searching for it, searching for it. So, likewise, a movement is always searching for wisdom. That's one meaning. Second thing is that when you find it, what do you do? You take it, it's yours. Searching for it. So, likewise, you take it. Hayth wa jada, wherever you find it, means whether it's a Muslim source or non Muslim source. You find it wherever you can. So, our students were telling us, for example, Utisa, why are we teaching us tafsir baydawi? We could do. Uh, after Jalali and Tafsir, we could teach us, you know, Tafsir Tabari, Tafsir ibn Kathir, Tafsir Fulan, Tafsir ma'ani, Ma'ani, Tafsir Qur'an al Mathani, this one, that one. Why are we doing Belavi? It's so hard, it's so hard. I said, you know, number one disclaimer, al Hikmatu, Dalatul woman. is the last article of the believer. So I'm going to quote, you know the answer to your question? You know where you can get it from? Fannie me. They said, Fannie Mae, who's Fannie Mae? I said, Fannie Mae is a famous chocolatier. She started the chocolate company, the Fannie Mae Candies. You ever heard of Fannie Mae? From Chicago, it's famous. So she has the answer to your question, how so? Because she made a very powerful statement. What is her statement? She could have just said, oh, my chocolates are the best, but that would be blah, whatever. So she said that, I cannot make all the chocolates in the world. That's the first part. There's two statements. First sentence: I cannot make all the chocolates in the world. What to say is true. So I only make the finest, right? So, so liter- So I said that. How is that the answer to your question? We cannot teach you all the tafsirs in the world. So we only teach you the hardest, right? That's the reason the Akbar put in the Ershidizami. If you can crack Baydawi, Tabari is tafsir bil masur. There's hardly anything there. hadith. It's super easy. Ibn Kathir is a piece of cake at that point even tafsir Fakhrutin razi is easy because tafsir baydawi is so challenging like every sentence the students were reviewing it uh, for the exam you saw sulaiman's class i remember they said literally we feel like our mind has expanded like i can literally feel getting smarter studying this book <laughs> uh, right so that's why we cannot teach you what can we teach you all the tafsirs in the world no so we only teach you the hardest. Just like Fannie Mae said, I cannot make all the chocolates in the world so I only make the finest. Right? So, <laughs> so, so the thing is, so we always, wherever we find hikmah, we take it. So this is Junaid Jam said, what did he say? She picked it up and she said, don't litter, this is our planet. She's concerned about the whole planet. Allah <laughs> huh? Akbar. CPSA, yeah, CPSI became CPSA. So, so then we, we were there, uh, uh, School of America, it's right here nearby, it's still there going strong, may Allah uh, reward all the founders and all those who are making effort and uh, to uh, give Muslim, um, educate our Muslim kids. The motto was academic excellence in an Islamic environment. All right. uh, there's Islamic schools and then there's schools where Muslims go, right? That's a different discussion. So then after that what happened is um, uh, then we... Um, uh, so we finished that. But then I did early graduation. I took a few extra classes. Then I left in, uh, after 11th grade. So this was like 97. Moulin Tarajimul was here uh, in, in Jama'at. So the father, and we were there with him. So Mufti Azimuddin uh, was a young boy, like um, 13 years old, or 84 to 97, right? So... Uh, he was, yeah, 13 years old, 7, 6, 13. So he was in the Khidma of Wanatharajim Jamil saw and, and then my father said that, okay, I, I would love to continue being with you because his time was still here, but uh, I have to go to South Africa to drop my son. And I mean, he was going to drop me at the uh, Madrasa. So uh, what happened is uh, then Azimuddin said that, oh, you know, you guys are all going to South Africa, and so, you know, not fair, you don't take me, I want to go too. So then my father asked Wanatharajim Jamil Sal. He said that a 13 year old, I don't advise, you know, 13 year olds too young. Remember that was my story too when I was thirteen. I couldn't go. I know said I can't go. But then he said he said no, he can't take it. But after a few days when he was in his khidmah, staying with him, then he said, No, I changed my opinion. Uh, this is thirteen year old kid, but Alhamdulillah he's mature like Alhamdulillah, 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 that was his husband. And he said he's he, he he's mature enough to go. Then he made a du'a, he said, you know how Allah Ta'ala sent Harun with Musa salam? I, send, I, I make du'a that this brother Azimuddin will help I Amin mean So he's been helping me since then. <laughs> so, uh, so he said these, <laughs> these, these two will go together, send them both. So then we told Azimuddin, you know what? Guess what? You're going to be in South Africa. When? Like day after tomorrow. How are you going to do that? The South African is ajib To get a student visa, the list of the requirements was like not like coming to America, like uh, you're going to, huh? Outer space, exactly. So crazy list of requirements. They had like 15 requirements. You know what type of requirements? Absurd. You have to have a chest x-ray to show you don't have TB. You have to go to the police office to get a police clearance certificate that you're not a criminal, wanted for you know, felonies and misdemeanors. You have to go get a CD deposit from a bank, which if you don't do haram CDs, to show that you have assets and this and that, that you are gonna not stay in the Republic of South Africa. Why in the world would you wanna sit and stay there in the Republic of South Africa when there's so much crime there and everything? You're coming from America. I'm telling you honestly, there's like 16 craziest requirements because actually around Africa, they're all third world and it's the only place that's what? First world country. Zambia, Zimbabwe, Malawi, uh, uh, Mozambique, these people. From Mozambique, they would be coming to, you know, just like the, from the south, people cross the river, swim through the Rio Grande, right? So, like that, they would be coming. They would be coming through the Kruger Park. What's in the Kruger Park? It's not a nice little park with benches and flowers. Kruger Park, is it? Huh? Lions. Yeah, the lions would attack the illegal immigrants. They would find dead bodies of immigrants. The lions would attack them. So that's why they had all these requirements. How the heck are we gonna do this in one day? So right, left and right, we went fast here, there, and we went to the South African embassy, and we pushed it and put it the passport, and Alhamdulillah, Allah Ta'ala will say it, it happens. So one day he got the visa, and then he came. So this is kind of a funny story, but you know, he was very excited. You know why he's was excited? Because he's like, wait a minute, I don't have to finish the science project? <laughs> So so there was a big science project that was due in 8th grade. Because 8th grade in CPSI was even worse than CPSA. (laughs) So it was very hard. Kindergarten in CPSI was hard. They had like AP history in 4th grade. I mean, remember, honestly, I'm not even making this up. CPSI. After CPSA, it became easier, right? And it's still known for being so challenging. Most challenging school in Illinois. You know that. Every year, mashallah. So they had like the gigantic books, like AP history in fourth grade. The kids barely can, I mean, they, they know how to read, but not at that level, right? So he was like, he was a big Muslim, but the on his head. He's like, okay, I'm ready to go to South Africa. I don't have to do the science project. <laughs> that, 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 that's the level of the innocence. That's the level of how young he was when he started this journey. So then I said, yeah, just scrap that science project. Let's go. <laughs> So he never he never did the high school, but then when he came back, he, you know, he, then he ended up doing the bachelor's at Elmer's University and bachelor's in psychology. Yeah, he did the GD and he did the bachelor's. The bachelor's, how he did it, Allah know. Going to bands here and there on the spot, just you know, emailing the exams on the com- last minute here and there. Yeah, we're going to his shadi, his wedding. <laughs> we're boarding the plane. There's a to his we- who's the we- who's dula, Azimuddin. Yeah, and he's like in the gate. He's just doing his essay. Stuff like that. Then he was doing his final exam when the actual shadi came. I was like, forget you're taking forever, so I went. Then they thought I was Abdullah. Everybody, (laughs) I said, no, no, no." because his father-in-law he came to greet me like Abdullah So he came to meet me. So that was the New York people. They said, oh, he's going there, so must be this (laughs) is Allah. Yeah. So this is how, Alhamdulillah, like that, the bachelor's went through as well. Alhamdulillah. I think we have exceeded the time. I'm sure. Let's let's end it. Alhamdulillah. Jamaat, okay. But time's over. What did you say? No, no, I think we should let the people sleep too. Jamaat, yeah. the the there's a jamaat, a long cargo salary of Jamaat. I mean, so many tashirs, so many different. <coughs> First uh, istimah I went to was 1985. Alam istimah uh, <coughs> in Detroit. I was hasan sahab, was there. I was <laughs> yeah, there. I was there. Like, I was there. 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 I Ashab al-Karamat like, Karamat like Ajeeb Karamat The Khadim I spoke to Mona Sayyid Ahmad Khan sahab. He, you know, he was so generous So generous So generous He says that Like people will come Asking money And then Subhanallah He'll be taken directly From the treasures of Allah Now you say directly From the treasures of Allah How did that happen? Example Is that The Khadim Who himself In the bucket He immersed The whole kurta shirt And he washed it He shook And he squeezed it And then he hung it up To dry who washed it, who immersed it in the water? The Khadim did. He just hung it up to dry. It. And then somebody comes to ask you know, for some money. He tells the same Khadim, the, the kurta is hanging there Get take some money from the pocket. He's like, uh, okay, whatever. So then he goes and he puts his hand in the pocket, takes out dry crisp notes. Yeah. This is an example of taking directly from the Treasure of Allah. So I had the opportunity to make Musafah with such a hand. Subhanallah. And then he he he, he gives the person. Th- uh, so this is Karamatul awliya Ya You study it in Aqidah Tahawiyah. The Majizatul Ambiya and the Karamatul awliya. And one is you, you see the people. I mean, it's the Aqidah. It's not some fiqh book. It's Aqidah book. Right? It's first year in the Tanweer program. Tanweer, Naburai Nabura Tanweer. Is there. Aqidah Habi Karamatul Oliya Ya Right. It's proven from the Quran Ashab Al-Kahf, right? Were they Ambiya? No, it's karamat So There were such a, a, luminaries At that my 1985 in Detroit And then after that You know we, After that Dawah was a long story then, Subhanallah then, Culmination of that uh, Was uh, in the one year 2002 21 years ago yeah. There was a lot of amazing experiences There was one, Pedal tashil in 40 days by northwest uh, in Balochistan near the uh, Chaman and Kandahar, near Kandahar, border of Afghanistan. that, That place, it had not rained for eight years. And we were going, walking from one village to another village to another village. There was no water. No water. The water table under the ground had gone down so low. And far off distances they would have, uh, the government had made some wells pop- with the pumps, the water would be there. So after Fajr, two people, they would take a big um, leather bag and then they would go with a wheelbarrow all the way and they would come by Zohar time. With the water that we have to use the whole jamak for 24 hours. So there was a strict moratorium that no Sunnah wudu, no Nafl wudu, try to maintain your wudu as much as you can. One Lota, one little jug, five people would make wudu. And wash your face once, wash your arms once, what, make myself one fourth of your head, and wash your feet once, only once, not three times, minimum follow. That's how difficult the water situation was. So you start valuing things when you go through such experiences. The kids here are like, like they see a sp- little ant or something. Ew! Not even a spider Oh black widow or whatever, right? Tarantula. Little. I remember when I was teaching them, look, the. Now, Alhamdulillah, hopefully there's no answer, it better not be spiders, but, but I remember in the warehouse days, we have a warehouse student here, so their kids were so creeped out, oh my god, that's a massive, uh, uh, spider, I said, look, are you bigger or the spider, Virta? right, so then, uh, then I said, look, the spider, you're so scared of it, okay, I picked it up, I said, let me put it on my head, okay, okay, it's not sc- Okay, let me put it on my neck, right here. what is it going to do to me, so I said, you know, seeing is believing, experience it, watch, It's going to crawl down my back. Oh my God It's inside your shirt Yeah so what I think I'm bigger than it Right It's not going to do anything Like I literally experiment And show the physical demonstration That this ant cannot harm you All the ins and the jinn Together cannot harm you Without the will of Allah Anyway so these are We have to We have to experience things That's why traveling Is so important In different areas Right So we experience as imam shafi mentions in his diwan ma fi al maqam alladhi aql wa alladhi adabi li rahat infada al safir tajid awadan amman tufariquhu wa ansab fa in alladhiz al aish fi al nasb inni raitu waquf ma' yusiduhu in sahataba wa in lam yajri lam yathi wa Shamsu shams law waqafat fi al fulk da'imatan lam allaha al nas ajami في أماكنه والعود والعود في أرضه نوع من الحطب هذا So he says that ما uh, just staying in one place عقل The one who has aqal and adab just staying in one place there's no raha and comfort just stagnant in one place. Fada il leave your Watan, waqtaribi, become a traveller to seek knowledge. Then he gives examples as a poet from the environment. Who is this? Imam Muhammad ibn Idris al-Shafi'i Al Muttalabi. He says that in رَأِيْتُ وَقُوفَ I saw, I observed that when the water stops flowing, yufsid, it becomes dirty. When Sahataba, when it's flowing, it remains pure. illam If it doesn't flow it, starts, it becomes stagnant, it becomes polluted. In Fiqh of tahara we learn that. And then he says That Subhanallah If the lion wants to remain Just sitting in his cave It will not be able to hunt the prey If the arrow is comfortable inside the bow You cannot reach the target And then he says that Subhanallah If the sun when it's orbit it just stops it says no I want to just stay here it doesn't want to continue moving <laughs> it doesn't want to move <laughs> the Arab and the Ajam, they will become tired of the sun and when will the night come and then he says uh, <laughs> the silver and gold it is just like dirt in its original place in the, where it is mined out in, the, in its unrefined form you just walk over it Right? it has to be extracted from there and he said in its original jungle where it is growing it's like a firewood no value but if it leaves its place and goes out it goes to the refining process the gold and the road, then it becomes so valuable and is sold for thousands of rials per ounce so you got to leave and travel then, in this example, when you leave uh, and you see, subhanAllah, all of the mujahada, you realize. So one, one person came and said, okay, jamaat, uh, today, tonight uh, I'll give a da'wat to the jamaat. So the Amir sahab accepted it. The Khidmat brothers were excited. Okay, we don't have to cook today. Got off. So, we thought there will be a, a, a feast. Then he came at Zohar time and he brought two rabbits that were alive. He didn't take the trouble of? Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. By the ears, bunnies, two bunnies, like Typically you would imagine like a pet store or something. So then he brings the two rabbits. They're alive, he's just holding them by the ears. He said, this is my da'wah, this is your dinner. So we're like, oh my God. So they entered the courtyard and they slaughtered it. Bismillah, Allah, 100% zabiha, not 99%. And then uh, they, <laughs> they had a skinhead and we had rabbits too, right? So all these ajeeb al gharib experiences you have, all the different people. I mean, how many are you gonna have in the one year? Every day is a different carousel, yeah. So, yeah. But um, you see the mashayikh, you see the sacrifices, you see there's a lot of things you, you learn through, um, through traveling that you can never, you know. I had the Alhamdulillah sohubat of Miyaji Muhammad who just, just passed away and I had the opportunity to visit him last summer as well. So he was involved in banglawali Masjid in uh, with, um, he he spent. How about the Ilyas Khandalwi himself, who passed away in 1944? He was there in the 1930s. He was 110 years old when he passed away. Yeah. And uh, his father was in Nizamuddin before Mu came. The time of Munana Ismail, his father. And in fact, his father was a principal for a while. When Mulana Ismail Rhamtul passed away, then uh, Mulana Ilyas Rhamtul was still teaching in Saharampur. And he was running the Madrasa, and he said, I'm not a full alim, I cannot run this. Then Mulana Ilyas, his older brother, was a principal, and he died, Mullah Muhammad. So then he said, Please call the other brother who's still in Nizam uh, over there in Saranpur to come. So then he brought Mona Ilyas to Moulana. There's a long story of that history. In 19, you're talking about 20s. Yeah. So he had a lot of experiences. Yeah. And then there's like this, uh, again, Suhabat, you know, this is like hadith Musalsal, there's one. Maybe you should end with this one. This is a beautiful one. So one time I was pressing his legs, doing his khidmah, massaging his legs of Hazrat Mihajir Rahmatullah And then when I was pressing his legs, all of a sudden he just grabbed my hand. He said, Why are you massaging my legs? So I was kind of shocked. I didn't know what exact correct answer he wanted to hear. So I was like, oh, I don't know what to say. So then he said, May, like 80 years ago, <laughs> He didn't say eight years ago, but in the 19... He passed away in 44, so this is obviously when he was alive. So we're talking about sometime early 40s or late 30s. He said, I was massaging the legs of Khan. The way you're massaging my legs, I was massaging his legs. Then he grabbed my hand and said, oh, God, why are you? Why are you massaging my legs? And then he said, The way I grabbed your hand. So then he said, <laughs> I got shocked uh, the way you are getting shocked. I was like, okay, so that's good. It's relieving it here. So then, then he said, you got to uh, wait till you hear the whole statement because the first half is going to be, you're going to be like, what? How does that make sense? So he he said that Munirullah Subhanahu Wa Taala he told me he showed both sides of the coin. He said Munirullah Subhanahu said, okay, you don't know the answer, you want, I'll tell you the answer. So the answer Munirullah gave him that was the same answer he was giving me. So he said, tum ko chahiye ki tum is niyat se mere pyar dabaye ki ye Allah kawali hai, ye alim-e-din hai, dahi hai, moballig hai, follow hai, buzroo hai. You should press my legs so with the intention that this is an alim, he's a wali of Allah, he's a da'i, he's a he's doing khidma of deen, he's tired, exhausted. By massaging his eyes, giving him comfort, inshallah I'll be rewarded because of this intention. And this is the niyah you should have when you massage me. And this is the very same fact that I'm telling the niyah you should have, if this, if for a one second, if Ilias starts believing it, he will be destroyed. Right. So he showed the both sides. So this is, I, I mentioned to our Dora students every year that all the maqam, fadail, virtues of ulama, warasudul anbiya, and yerfai illa ulalliya, amana minkum, aladdin utu al Allah elevates the status of the, anbiya, of the ulama, all that. Who is that for? That's for the awam for the non ulama, to respect ulama. That does not apply to you and me and amongst us. For us, what are we supposed to think about? all the responsibilities are ulama shiraruhum ulama the worst people are the wicked scholars ulama the best people are the righteous scholars that's what the people should think oh the best people are the righteous scholars and the ulama among themselves we need to warn ourselves shiraruhum shiraru ulama the worst people are the wicked scholars and the responsibilities of ulama we should remind ourselves just like dr abdurrazak iskandar rahmatullahi alayhi as well in our, in our graduation he you know he mentioned the hadith he spoke at our graduation and he said look he mentioned a one hadith that uh, a person will be from the Jannah, he will look into Jahannam and then he will see someone burning in Jahannam and he will say, How the heck did you end up in Jahannam? We used to listen to your advices and we ended up in Jannah and you were burning in Jahannam. So, what's the first lesson you learn from this? Oh, if you don't practice what you preach, then it will not help you. But then he added a, another fine point. He said that, how did the one who entered into Jannah enter into Jannah? He admitted himself, it was by following the advice of the one who is burning in Jahannam. So he addressed us and he addressed the crowd both. He addressed us and said that if you're not going to practice what you preach, you'll end up in Jahannam, frankly. No matter how much aim you have. And he addressed the crowd and he said that if you follow what they're preaching, irrespective of their practice or not, based on this disease, you will enter Jannah. Because they're preaching the correct thing. It's like the doctor. If he says, don't smoke, don't smoke. But he's smoking himself. His advice is still effective for you. You stop smoking. He smokes, he may die of cancer. Right? Despite the Surgeon General's warning, despite his own warning. He's gonna he's still not smoking, he's give up smoking. So he said, you will enter Jannah if you listen to this ulama. But he told the ulama we were sitting there with the Bukhari, and he said that if you're not gonna pray, you preach, you'll end up in Jannah. Beautiful, both sides. So he said that he never considered himself an Alib. I didn't read this in his biography, but I heard it from the witness himself, He said that one person he brought a tiger skin. Tiger skin? Which is a, a luxurious thing, he said, This is a real tiger skin and he said, you can uh, Bengal tiger he shot it, he hunted it, skinned it and brought it and he said, you can make your dhikr on here your salah, this is amazing musalla your mutala, beautiful, luxurious original tiger skin so, it was a gift for him so then he took it, wrapped it up and he went to Mufti Kifayatullah Dehalawi who was a grand mufti of undivided Indo-Pak Bangladesh, from Kabul to Colombo so, he uh, uh, from Karachi to Dhaka, one country, undivided right in British time so he, he he went to the Grand Mufti and he what are his words? He said that Right? He said, This is actually your true amanat. Somebody mistakenly thought I was an alim and gave it to me. But you're the true alim. Somebody was confused and they thought I was an alim. Right? So what is this? He never considered him to an alim. So that's the same thing he was telling Miyaji, and Miyaji told me, and I'm, I'm saying to you, without the pressing of the legs. <laughs> so that in khitaab the also this right there. So it, we're not going continue, to continue that practice further, inshaAllah. Allah keep us khadim and protect us from being maqdoom. Keep us uh, serving others. So there are so many, 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 many experiences, right? Bottom line is there are so many experiences that we cannot relate now, inshaAllah. JazakAllah. Take care for an of yeah. So this session is dedicated to our. <laughs> you know, I don't, yeah. Huh? Anyone has any questions? Yeah, I know. the first question is when can you let us sleep? <laughs> yeah. Inshallah, your next, next after Fajr, Inshallah, be, uh, your schedule is adapting, changing, right? It's like you're in jet lag, you move to a different time zone. So what's going to happen first time, when you go into the new time zone, it's going to be hard. Because you stayed up all Tuesday and you stayed up all Tuesday night. Now it's Wednesday. So But you can sleep today, inshaAllah. Sleep uh, uh, All right. So sleep peacefully till, till, uh, till before Zuhar. Let him sleep till zohar And then after that, inshaAllah, um, you will be okay. Uh, you will be in slightly better shape, inshaAllah, uh, tomorrow morning. If Allah takes us there. So there's there's a halawa, there's a sweetness, in Imam sweetness with mashaykh. You know, there's there's so much enjoyment. You see their akhlaq, you see their amal, you see their ilm, you see their taqwa. You see uh, left and right quoting Quran, quoting Hadith. You can go on and on and on. And you know, just speaking about righteous people, it creates nur in the heart. Like uh, Abdullah Mubarak said about his teacher, Imam Abu Hanifa. A'id lana, <laughs> A'id in lana. Inna ma he said, continue to mention about our teacher Nu'man. Who is Norman al-Sabith? Imam Hanifa. His dhikr is like the musk. The more you rub it, the more the fragrance emanates. So speaking of akhyaar and saliheen, it gives nur to the heart. Speaking of ashrar and shar and evil things, it would create in the heart. So speaking about beautiful people, is the most beautiful experience. And these are all the slaves of Mustafa So, Imagine speaking about Rasulullah sallam. Allahumma Yeah. the movement from to 1950. and describes all the struggles you know the freedom fighter independence Yeah. What's your number then So Farazdaq and Jari'ir were two poets in the Banu umayyah time. They used to always fight with one another. Uh, so Farazdaq, the poet, he tells Aba'i, These are my forefathers. See if you can match in your family how generous and how brave they were. Two attributes they praised in Jahiliya: Generosity and bravery. These are my forefathers. See if you can have anyone in your family to match when we are gathered together in the gathering so our Aslav, our pious predecessors are such giants that we should be so proud of their legacy, but unfortunately we don't even really know you know, they fought against all these missionaries, you know, how much they did in, they were freedom fighters against the British imperialists, the Mujahideen and uh, Subhanallah And they, 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 were, they were the ones who freed the Against the British Empire, they removed, you know, a lot. In the 1857, there was a great first jihad. They call it mutiny, Indian mutiny. <laughs> then after that, they were imprisoned. Sheikh al Hind, rahmatullahi, was imprisoned in Malta. His uh, who handed him over? Sharif Hussein, the the king of uh, Abdullah of Jordan, his great his grandfather, was uh, the uh, the governor of of uh, Makkah. Sharif Hussein uh, under the Ottoman Empire. So he got the command to arrest Sheikhul Hind al Hassan from the Mataf. He grabbed him, handed him over to the British consulate in Jeddah. But look at the khidma of the students. His student was in Medina, Hussein al He he left Medina because he wanted to do the khidma of his teacher in the jail. He comes to the British embassy in Jeddah and he says that I'm a criminal too. I'm part of the terrorist plot against the British. You know, I'm a freedom fighter too. You need to arrest me. So okay, they're like, if you insist. So then he joined his teacher and went all the way to. Malta, and he was doing the khidmah and he would take the water in the earthen pot and he would hug it with his body the whole night to warm the cold water with his body heat so his shaykh can make wudu with warm water for fajr, for tahajr subhanallah this is not centuries ago, his son came here this is the khadim Madani's son, Ashad Madani came to this Darussalam. anyway, and when he entered here he said a statement that my heart completely dropped, I almost died then it came back up with the second statement I was holding his hand he entered inside here, and then he said, Ye Allah. You know how he speaks, right? He said, Ye Allah. Then I was like, Oh my God. Then he said, Ye to Allah. Ka mahal hai. <laughs> so, so, then <laughs> so then when he came inside, he said, yeah, This is not uh, just a house of Allah. This is a. First, he said, This is not a house of Allah. So I was very hurt. I was, May Allah give us akhlas, or I don't know what we did wrong. Then he said, This is a palace of Allah. This is not just the house of Allah. This is Allah Ta'ala. made it so beautiful. Allah Ta'ala says, Allah made it beautiful. He said, Fee bayutin adinallahu an tubna or anturfa." Right? That's another whole, whole thing. I can talk about that topic of the masjid, but maybe I'll leave that for something tomorrow. Right? InshaAllah. SubhanAllah, bihamdihi behamdihi. SubhanAllah, I illa I ishraq Let's perform ishraq Salah. Two rakat, nafal, followed by two rakat, nafal. May Allah Ta'ala grant the reward of accepted Hajj and Umrah. And inshallah, make the task of the day easy, and may Allah put barakah in your sleep. Inshallah. So let's minimum pray inshallah, and then uh, if you and then we can rest. Inshallah. Jazakumullah.